Chicken Pot Pie is perhaps the most well-known Weird Al Yankovic parody that never came to be. As a courtesy to a song's original author, Weird Al always asks for permission to parody their work. Paul McCartney denied the use of his song for the parody as he is a vegetarian, did not want to promote eating meat. Although Weird Al never made a full version of Chicken Pot Pie, he often drops a line or two into his Food Medley song, a collection of food-based parodies of famous songs. McCartney's song, which he wrote in 1973 along with his wife, Linda McCartney, was the title track for the James Bond film that launched that year. Uh, McCartney was invited to write the theme for the movie before the screenplay was even finished. He asked for a copy of the novel the film was based on before he committed to writing the song. <clears throat> I read it and thought it was pretty good. That afternoon I wrote the song and went in the next week and did it. It was a job of work for me in a way because writing a song around a title like that's not the easiest thing going. James Bond producer Harry Saltzman wanted Shirley Bassey to perform the piece, but McCartney only allowed the song to be used in the movie if it was performed by his band, Wings. George Martin, former producer for the Beatles, produced the track and won the Grammy for Best Arrangement Accompanying Vocalists for his work. The song was also nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song. That's right, we're talking about Paul McCartney and Wings' Live and Let Die on Me. Cover Me. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions and compares them against one another to find out which ones to let die. I'm your host as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my living co-host... Uh, death sounds... Uh, Alex Mildenberger, <laughs> tricked you. <laughs> Just hey. let it happen, everyone. Alex, alive and well. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> That's you. How are, how are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing... I'm doing... I'm alive, man. That's what I am. I'm glad to hear it. Um, before we get into our regular stuff, I just want to make a quick announcement. This week I compiled, it took too long, but I've compiled, uh, what is it, nine, nine Cover Me playlists uh, based on our best of, worst of, and wild card picks throughout oh, the- Oh, you made all of them. I saw you were listening to best of. I didn't know there were more. Yeah, well, halfway through the process, I was like, who the fuck is going to listen to a worst of? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I just want to listen to just fucking awful music for like d- two hours. <laughs> hmm. Maybe me. Yeah, maybe you. But there's uh the wild card playlists are are really fucking like buck wild. Like so, because sometimes we pick the worst song, sometimes we pick just like a, a, a different song, and sometimes we pick the original. So you really don't know what you're gonna get on those playlists. Okay. But I have them separated based on uh, the who picked them. So there's uh, best, worst, and weirdest for me, best, worst, weirdest for Alex, and uh, best, worst, and weirdest for our guests. So, they, so they, we throw them all into just one. So for Alex's worst, uh, for Spoon, did you put all of them on? Um, no, I tried to avoid that just so it wouldn't like saturate it. I don't yeah, think I actually put ridiculous. in any. <laughs> that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> but you guys can find those through my Spotify profile, which is, I think it's Sly5000, which is also my PlayStation Network gamer tag, if you guys want to fucking play video games with me. Your name on the Nintendo DS, if you want to yep. play, some, play some local wireless on the bus. <laughs> Hit him yeah. up. He's in, Hit me up. He's in British Columbia, but I won't tell you where. 
and you can also uh, find it. I tweeted him out on Twitter, which is where you tweet things. So you can find him there. So that's our, our biggest announcement. And Sounds having like listened, listened to my own best of, like, there's some fucking good covers. Sometimes I forget how good some of those covers yeah, are. Yeah, I'll have to check those out. I'll have to check out those, those wild cards, see what, see what yes. we got. See what shit comes up. Um, all right, so we're talking Live and Let Die from the, the James, James Bond movie of the, the same name. Bad news is this was we did this whole thing leading up to the release of the Bond film. The Bond film has now been that pushed was the idea. Back, yeah, to November, which is a long time. It's a long time. Presumably, do or I think they said because of coronavirus. That's correct. People yes. aren't seeing movies in China for some reason. Um, <laughs> although, so that's unfortunate. But, but you know, the new song came out, so we can still talk about that. Um, did you watch the movie? I did not. Okay. I watched this movie as well. It's very interesting. Yeah, he, uh, uh, from what I read, it's like a blaxploitation Bond film. It was, yeah, I mean, it's, I haven't seen a lot of blaxploitation films, but as I understand, it's influenced by that. The villain mm. is like, the villain is black. He's, his plot revolves around selling or oversaturating the market with heroin. Um. Wait, his plan is cheap heroin? His plan, his plan is to <laughs> oversaturate the market with heroin so that he drives all of his competitors out of business, and then he'll be the monopolistic owner of the heroin market in the United States and drive up prices. Okay. Um, and that's bad? Um, I know, right? <laughs> I think <laughs> they just want to destroy his poppy fields because he's, he's supplying it with a lot of heroin. He's trying to increase the number of addicts in the United States, which happened anyway. So, sorry, Mr. Big. Yeah. Isn't it Mr. Big? It that is. Can't be right? It, it, no, it is. I remember reading that in okay. the thing, and I was and like, also, oh, yeah, like Carrie's husband. Yeah. <laughs> Kananga, I believe, because he's both of them. Okay. Yeah. Um, highlights of the movie include an extensive uh, speedboat chase. A lot of which doesn't even follow James Bond. Like it, it goes back and forth between him and like he's in Louisiana. So like the Louisiana police are trying to chase him down and stop him, and he keeps just like ramping the land at over top of them, or like busting through their roadblocks, but on the water. And so it'll like follow this sheriff, and he's just like shouting at at other cops, and then it'll go back to Bond, and he's just driving on a boat, and everyone's behind him, and then it'll go back to. So it's very. That was interesting. And uh, <laughs> compared to Diamonds Are Forever, the, the Bond girl, who's I know, I remember her name in this one, is Solitaire, because she uses cards to tell the future, uses um, tarot cards. Um, she, she's there for more. She's more important, but she still doesn't really do much. Um, there's a magnetic watch. And yeah, check it out. It's a James Bond movie. It was the first, um, what's his name? First with this Bond, I believe. Yeah, because this is directly after uh, the last me, one we talked about, Diamonds Are Forever. It's, yes. Is it Roger Moore? Yeah, it's Roger Moore. Okay, so this is the first non-Connery Bond movie. Uh, it's not the first non-Connery Bond movie, because mm. there was one in between. The, there was um, one before Diamonds Are Forever. That was another guy. And then they got him back for Diamonds Are Forever. Okay. But this is the first one with Roger, first one with another Bond that became a regular Bond. Right. I don't even know who the other guy was. That was for On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, so it's it's 
an interesting movie. They say honky a lot, and uh, at one point they just casually drop Pimp Mobile just because it's a, a fancy car. Um, so it's an interesting movie. Who gotta... says Pimp Mobile? Is it James Bond? No, it's like it's. I think Felix, like the CIA operative that he's working with. Okay. Um. So yeah, he's just like because someone like they like see it and they know it's a bad guy and he's like, give me the location or plates or whatever on a white pimp mobile <laughs> okay <laughs> anyway so yeah there's a lot in that movie it's the one with uh baron samity it's the one with the magnetic watch it's the one where he uses the magnetic watch to unzip a woman's dress it's there's a lot going on oh my god <laughs> i shouldn't get too much into the details but you know so alex you've now seen three bond films. i've now seen three bond films uh one of them quick, was <laughs> over a decade ago though yeah, give me a give me a quick ranking. Top three here. <laughs> uh, top three. This one was actually pretty decent. Um, I probably liked it a little better than Diamonds Are Forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because Diamond, like they were both a little all over the place, but this one seemed to be able to follow the thread of Bond a little better. Okay. Uh, plus there was a fun scene at the beginning where there's like this funeral procession in New Orleans, and they're just like playing slow music and slowly marching and there's this guy who turns out to be a cia operative like leans to a guy next to him he's like whose funeral is it and the guy's like yours and then stabs him and then they put him in the <laughs> coffin and start playing fast music anyway uh so they both have some some good moments but i i think this one was a bit stronger overall okay um although bond is such an idiot i feel like like someone gets shot from a secret gun and he just walks around like doesn't care like, person's dead, and he's like, oh, I guess I'll walk this way into the forest. And I'm like, Bond, there's guns everywhere. What? Anyway. <laughs> and so it's, yeah, it's a Bond movie. I, I, I'm not going to rank him because I haven't seen Casino Royale in a long time. But it was, probably, it was probably the best of the three. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to give it the benefit of the doubt. Right. And that's the one with the, the Chris Cornell uh, theme song. Yes. The other thing about these old Bond movies is sometimes they just, like, drop something. Like, there's a part where... Felix and Bond are in a restaurant in in New Orleans and Felix gets like sent away to talk to a guy that you know is dead on the phone and then he like and then while he's gone the the table drops through the floor and they replace it with a new table so like Bond is now kidnapped uh and then Felix gets back he's like where's my friend and like doesn't care that the guy he talked to on the phone was a dead man they don't explain what happened there he comes back (laughs) He doesn't seem to care that Bond is gone. And then Bond does his boat chase. And at the end, Felix is just waiting for him. And he's like, Felix, how'd you find me? He's like, don't worry about that. And then they just go on to the rest what? of the movie. What the fuck? And like is the that... fact that the other guy was dead also doesn't come up. So it's like, there's, there's holes. There's holes, but it's amusing. <laughs> do you think it's like that in the books? Or do you think that... I don't know. Like a, I'll have to check them out sometime. bullshit that went on in the books. And like, we can't put this in the fucking movie. <laughs> I'd be curious to know if the books are if the books are as full of holes. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about uh, "Live and Let Die," the song by Paul McCartney and Wings. Alex, you seemed a little reluctant to to do this song when we were talking about Bond songs to do. I I was. It's, but I I uh, not so much anymore. At at first, I was I was a little worried to do it because it's like I know this song. This is mm-hmm. a Paul McCartney and Wings song. Like it's on the radio all the time, and. I, I wasn't sure what it would be like to have to critically analyze it and like right. listen to it for a whole week. And it turns out it was actually fine. And it usually is fine. 
uh, based on you know our track record so far. Yeah, but, uh, nothing, it's, nothing we've done has been too killer on the old ears. No, and it's probably, like, as far as Bond songs go, this is, like, probably the only one that's really elevated to, like, classic song status that is remembered to this day. And maybe Skyfall will achieve that, but it's not old enough yet. Yeah. Like, maybe. I don't know. Um, it's interesting because other songs before Skyfall have beat it on the, at least on the American charts. Like uh, the Duran Duran, what's that? A, a time to a view to a kill. A view to a kill. That's what it is. Yeah. That well, one, it's hard to say one. for one. Awkward to say. Um, yeah. I I I don't know that song very well, so and I don't know. And maybe Skyfall won't be remembered. And this one also has the uh, added advantage of being written by a Beatle, so that's mm. that's not nothing. Um, no. It's also, I think it's the first, it's not the first one that wasn't written by Don Black, uh, who wrote a lot of the early Bond songs. That's but right. But it's the first yeah. one where they just like went to an artist and were like, hey, do a song. And then he also sort of strong armed his way into performing it as well. Right. And then they Paul sort McCartney. of stuck with it. Like, like they did that more afterwards. Like they mm-hmm. actually got influence from outside artists. So this is where the Bond songs start to get a little more eclectic. Yeah. Um, so, and this isn't, interesting one structurally because it clearly sort of tries to evoke the sort of orchestration of the earlier ones the earlier songs but the orchestration is very different as well and i believe Mm -hmm. that was done mostly by george martin that's correct yeah which is worked who worked a lot with the beatles as well Mm -hmm. Um, so it's kind of this song was kind of a big deal subtly it really was there's a. I'm gonna read a quote here about the the song from Enemies. Uh, Ian McDonald, who wrote at the time of its release, he said, "McCartney's fairly reasonable solution to the given problem, right in less than 25 bars, a theme tune for the new James Bond movie, is to quote let it be for the first half, willing absently and with a curious notion of grammar about this ever changing world in which we live in, before sitting back to let a 3,000 piece orchestra do a man in the streets impression of John Barry. It's not intrinsically very interesting." but the film will help to sell it and vice versa and that's i i really like that quote when he says it's a man in the streets impression of john barry mm-hmm. because that sort of brings together the the music and and how i feel about like the the lyrics which are that it's more like working man like blue collar approach to the idea of james bond and mm-hmm. we'll get into that i'm sure yeah, even in like the way the orchestra is used, I will talk more about like the uh, the arrangement and instrumentation. But it's mm-hmm. sort of very very simple and sharp. It's like a you know, it's like a caveman getting a very like fancy piece of technology <laughs> and using it as a hammer. Right, but also it works as a hammer because it's heavy yeah, and like it's heavy <laughs> and can drive nails. Yeah. So why exactly. isn't it a hammer? Um, with that. Uh, and I, one point I do want to point out is uh, that uh, Ian McDonald misheard the line, which he criticizes the grammar of. Right. Um, there's a Washington Post interview over 30 years later where uh, McCartney tells the interviewer, I don't think about the lyric when I sing it. I think it's in which we're living, or it could be in which we live in. And that's kind of sort of wronger, but cuter. <laughs> and the- <laughs> wronger, but cuter. And that that's is uh, my motto. Yeah, that's my motto. But it is. I took a listen to it, and in, in the original, at the very least, it is in which we are living. Yeah, I 
I've heard this line a lot, obviously, but I always heard it as in which we live in, and it sounds awkward. Mm-hmm. In which we live in, so it's, but like it, it, I always just assumed it was like, oh, and they match it with the rhythm or whatever. But there's not a lot of lyrics, so we should no. talk about them. Let's talk about them. When you were young and your heart was an open book, you used to say, live and let live. You know you did, you know you did, you know you did. Which is like a pretty, co- like live and let live is a pretty common phrase. You know, to mm-hmm. say, like, I, I live my life, you live your life, and, like, we do our own things, and as long as we're not uh, impacting each other, like, it's fine. We just, everybody can be happy in their own way. Yeah. And with uh, the heart being an open book, you know, that's when you're you're a little more naive, you're more open with your feelings, you haven't quite been, you know, hurt by the world yet. And then if this ever-changing world we're living in, in which we're living, but if this ever-changing world in which we're living makes you give in and cry, so if you start to get feel hurt and heartbreak, maybe it's time Maybe it's time to flip that motto, young James Bond. Is he singing to James Bond in this? Like, who is the target? It's tough to know. Uh, he didn't see, like, he didn't see the movie. He obviously knew who James Bond was when he read the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, it feels, like, very general. Like, this is just the idea of, like, what... It sounds like he just based it on the title. Like I don't yeah. really think he really cared that much about about that it was a James Bond song as much as like I was just writing a song. Yeah, because there's also, no like clear references to the the novel or the book as far as I know. Yeah, like maybe a little bit, like not not direct anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you can definitely take it as like what what does it take to to turn a person into someone like James Bond who we would interpret maybe as like a violent somewhat sociopathic person right mm-hmm. like he one yeah, of his movies like he's, he's got a license to kill he kills people all the time and like yeah, he's and very good at it <laughs> and he uses his gadgets to take off women's dresses yeah and also explode villains that's a mm-hmm. yeah um but i don't know if that was the attempt but it's like oh you know you just need to live in the world and then you'll become cruel <laughs> so it's kind of very dark uh approach to it and like oh you know he was just a regular human that's how that's how it was possible yeah like oh that's sad paul mccartney that's a sad thing that's a sad thing he's like yeah sometimes like life hardens you and now you and now chorus say live and let die live and let die and then everybody says live and let die and then string solo which is like orchestra solo really because not just yeah strings. um and then the second verse which is weird and very different. Um, oh, yeah. It gets, like, very almost reggae in terms of beat. It does. It does. It totally flips the accents into that mm-hmm. two and four. And, like, and then sings, what does it matter to you? When you've got a job to do, you've got to do it well. You've got to give the other fellow hell. Which, like, that to me is, like, the James Bond description. It's so brief. It's mm-hmm. like, D- don't worry about it, you know? Y- you've already lived your youth and and you're hardened to the world so like this is just a job you know dissociate yourself from what you're doing yeah so it's, that's it's like a, also a little <laughs> fucked up but you know no kidding it doesn't matter who the other fellow is it's not like teach the other fellow a lesson or you know try to be better men it's go fuck that guy up give yeah. him hell <gasps> you know he's on the other side and that's like that's the blue collar thing to me yeah, like, oh, it's just a job. job. To do. do your job. Yeah. Like, go in, you punch in, you punch a guy, you shoot a guy. It's your job. Go home at the end of the day, and there's women there for reasons I can't explain. Yeah. 
James, that, that James Bond. That's James Bond. And that's literally, that is all of the, that's like all of the words in this. This is all of the lyrics. Yeah, they like repeat that first verse. Yeah. And and then it's the chorus. They do it, yeah, chorus, and like they just repeat the other parts. So that's it. There's not a whole lot to it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I, all, no, I go love ahead. His quote. He where he says like I read the book and I wrote the song that afternoon like <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, okay I mean he's Paul McCartney already you know the Beatles already happened so I, I get it but like it's still so jarring I know right it's I mean it's a lot better than that when we talked about the unclouded day and that Josiah at Alwood guy was like took me fucking four days to write this <laughs> it's, it's like not even as long as this song. <laughs> And a lot more repetitive. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, and so, like, this song really is, uh, I think, not... I don't think it was made impressive by the lyrics, necessarily. I think the lyrics are fine. They give you a very simplistic, like, what if James Bond was a regular dude, now he's a hardened killer dude, and it's just a job to him now. You know how you were once, like, a kid, and now you fucking bag fish or whatever the fuck it is you do like at the fish baggery <laughs> at the fish baggery you know blue collar work you don't want a different color collar it'll get dirty from the fish guts. yeah all them fish guts baby and so yeah i guess in in a matter of two verses in a chorus it it paints that bleak picture but oops it's not it's not like mind blowing no not really but I think where where this song shines is in the the arrangement and instrumentation, which I think bears some resemblance in terms of its structure to Band on the Run. Where, where it kind of it changes a lot. Yeah, and I guess I could say Band on the Run or like uh, the Soft Parade by the Doors or uh, the Greatest Man Who Ever Lived by Weezer, where it seems to fit all these different kinds of songs into one song. Right, that sound very different, but somehow mm-hmm. work together. Yeah, and I think what's fascinating about this one is a lot of those songs I just mentioned are, like, seven minutes long, generally, but this one is, what, three? It's a quick song. It's, like, it is 314. Yeah. Which is next week. Hey. How about that? Which just happened, if you're listening to this. That's right. Um, March 14th. Or if you're listening to it when it came out, which, like, I don't know how many people would. That's not important. But yes, there's really like four parts as the intro, which like they said in that review, it's kind of let it be like he's just playing chords and singing when you were young and your heart was an open book. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the orchestral part. And then the um, that second verse that's like reggae and the rest of it is just repeating stuff that you've already heard. Yeah, basically. Like, they do a a couple orchestral parts and another first verse, which is the the same words, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, and a lot of those big orchestral parts rely along that main riff that's sort of teased in the piano chord section, that... Yes, so that's... So the orchestral part. So, like I said, there's a few things. There's that first part. It's just piano chords, you know? He sings mm-hmm. that first bit. And then they get into the... Sorry, there's also the chorus. I forgot to mention the chorus. That is yeah. a little bit different. Because that is where you sort of get the the connective tissue between the the intro, p- 
piano chords in the orchestral section. Yeah. Because that is where he, and it's, all he says is say live and let die. And then there's backup vocals that repeat him. And he says, say live and let die. But afterwards there's these two orchestral like stings, mm-hmm. like big chords. Yeah. Doom, doom. And it's slow. Yeah. Um, and, and that's sort of the part that brings those together. And it's, it's, I don't know. It, it's just like a very sudden, spike in like intensity without really bringing changing the rhythm or anything mm-hmm. so i think it hits pretty hard yeah yeah it's it's got these just yeah this big punch in the in the orchestra and in that chorus or these instruments just give it this this sense of action and like like jen i know uh, uh the uh, ian what's his face uh, Ian McDonald it was like, oh, it's like a man on the streets impression of John Barry, which, yeah, like I kind of agree with where where John Barry uses the arrangement to like bring in elements of mystery and a bit of action and like intrigue. Like with uh, with this one, we get just action. It's all just action. Yeah, it is all just right there. Just boom, 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 like all at once, like everything. And what he said, thousand piece orchestra, like it sounds massive. Mm hmm. Although the other big part of it, and that's going to come in a little bit more during the next section, the like orchestral solo section, is mm-hmm. there is a guitar playing along too. Um, and it's a really distinctive melody. Mm-hmm. Just because that doesn't always happen in some of these larger arrangements. Uh, but everything is really focused on the da-na-na, da-na-na, da-na, da-na-na, da-na-na, ba-ba, and like... And there's some other stuff like there's these high like flute sounds that come up like when it mm-hmm. when it plays higher they keep going up. I think they might be piccolos. They're pretty high. Um, yeah. But but like really it's that it's that core like melody that is the focus and the guitar plays along with that too. That's right. Yeah. Um, I also want to draw attention to the uh, at, at at the end of the reggae break there where he's got to give the other fella hell. Right. Where he, he really gets ragged with his vocals there, and then the horns sort of go up hard and sort of... Like, there's the, the sense of a breaking point in that. Some of the covers we'll look at give it a very smooth interpretation, or it's just right. a high note, but, like, uh, I think the better ones really hit that sort of, like, strain. Yeah, that... I mean, that note, they really hold on it, too. So if you just... If you just sing it, like, softly and nicely it it really lacks a lot of the impact especially considering like what the subject matter is mm-hmm. you know he's literally shouting the word hell yeah and like when he says it, he means like like it's chaos you know it's like it's not necessarily chaos but like you got to make it tough for the other person like you got to do your best to make it bad for someone else Exactly. He's ta- he's talking about, you know, like to the point of murder. <laughs> you know, like live and let die. Like Yeah. Giving them you hell live, isn't they just die. like like fucking calling them names and poking them in the ribs. It's <laughs> oh, what the hell? What's going on here? Yeah, quit giving me hell, man. Oh <laughs> man. Cause that other man's gonna give you hell because he's also working stiff. That's right. Yeah, real real dog eat dog vibes. Um, at the one thirty mark, there's some kind of zipper noise. Oh, are you talking about during the? Yeah, it's like a yeah. just just before he says hell, basically. Yeah, the, there's a few things like that throughout the like reggae section. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a few things they add, first of all. So, like, that's when an organ comes in and the piano's, like, playing basically a skank. Like, mm-hmm. it's very, like, reggae-influenced. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, an organ. But there's also some, like, other weird, like, sound effects, kind of. And there's that one where it's kind of like this almost ribbit sound. Yeah. And it just makes these, like... And I almost thought it might be, like, some kind of mouth harp, but it doesn't right. sound quite right, but I don't know. I don't know what would make that sound. I don't know what it is. My stomach sometimes. A couple times I was like, is that my <laughs> <Yeah>. stomach? <laughs> Frogs, I guess. Yeah. Like, throughout. And then there's the, like, one that almost sounds like opening a door. Like yeah. A, like a creaky door hinge. Mm-hmm. And that section is only 12 seconds long. It's not yeah. much of the song at all. Very brief. And, and like, but very different. Yeah. Uh and then it ends pretty suddenly too, like as suddenly as it started. Mm-hmm. Uh well not so much cuz that like hell is sort of the transition, but then like right back into that orchestral bit and then this time they when they go into the verse, there's a violin that plays yeah. along. Yeah, and it takes a big sort of front roll kind of leads us into the first verse again. Yeah, and it kind of, like, whereas the first verse is kind of, like, almost wistful, this one's a little more sad. Mm-hmm. Maybe because of it, I would say. Just because one is, like, you know, introducing this idea of a, a young, naive person, and now, and then talks about how they grew up to become uh, more cynical, and then now now we're remembering. Remember yeah. when we were young? <laughs> so it's... it's Covers a lot of ground for not exactly. a lot of lyrics or time. Cause, yeah, exactly. Because well, I think like chronologically through the song, we experience that early sort of like happy nostalgia, and then we kind of get into the present reality where it's you got to give the other fella hell, and it's it's all yeah. rough it's and intensity. Very, yeah, intense. And then you're like, "Fuck!" Remember the beginning of the song <laughs> when it, everything was easy, and then you're like right back into reality. Hmm. And then, like, that's the end. And it ends on kind of a similar to the original Bond theme. Kind of like a, like, yeah, like chord a that doesn't really resolve. note. Yeah. And yeah, like that, and I think that's, 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 a, that's a solid. If, if there's one good note to take from John Barry that is pretty easy to replicate, it's that kind of ending, I think. Yeah, especially for, like, movie stuff, that would be an introduction, which these are all used as an introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you watch the... It's not really a music video, but the like intro sequence, intro credits. No, I did not. They're really neat. It's like a, a they're cool segments that you probably probably would have been very difficult to film because it's right. all like overlaying faces with fire and like then it'll turn into a skull and it's or like a person will be dancing in silhouette and like there's a fire burning behind them and now it just looks old fashioned but i'm mm-hmm. sure it, like back then you'd have to like position mirrors or something weird to do it because i remember watching something like in the 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 opening um the like title what's it called when the title flashes on the screen at the beginning um, of the movie uh, what, like the title card yeah the title card that's what it's called <laughs> in the thing <laughs> is like light shines through like like it starts on fire and burns away like everything but the title 
and then light mm-hmm. shines through, which nowadays we're like, yeah, put you in a computer. But back then, I was reading a thing. Supposedly, they needed like a fish tank, and they needed like to burn a, a a piece of paper, like like they had something projecting the title through water to make it look a particular way, and then had to actually set something on fire and like film it from the right. And like, there's so much more work that goes into it. And this is just like constantly weird stuff and like interesting editing, and and, and it seems neat. I'm sure it was much more difficult in the 70s, but I can't really say much more about it than I'm sure it was a lot more difficult. Yeah, I'm watching it now, and it's like the technically the effects seem very simple. At least we'd be able to do them very easily today. Yeah, but, it just looks like low, low tech kind of. Mm-hmm. But there's some really cool, cool stuff. Uh, particularly with fire in this one. Yeah, it is heavily related on fire. I think uh, there was the shot of the woman's head, and it looked like it was on fire, and then it turned into a skull, and then you go into the skull, and there's a woman in there. Yeah. So there's there's like a bit of voodoo stuff in this one. Um, yeah. For various reasons, for probably just one reason. Now that I'm thinking about it, um, <laughs> the other thing this movie has is another version of the song. We're not talking about it today, but I wanted to bring it up because it's pretty neat. It's by done by bj arnaud mm-hmm. arnaud uh and looking it up it's the only version i've heard that doesn't at all try to emulate the orchestral sections yeah she does her own instrumental bits for it which yeah, sounds a little I, different i, I couldn't it's find cool it on sound. spotify so I yeah said, no fuck it that's fair i i was only on youtube as far as i could tell and she sings it a bit in the movie too right before yeah. james bond falls through the floor in a table. Ooh. Uh, sitting at a table and just whoop. whoop, whoop. But, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to shout that out. There was another version um, <laughs> that I'm glad we didn't talk about, but I, I saw it on Secondhand Songs, and it's a Christian parody version done by a group called Apologetics. Oh, and it's, God. it's called Didn't Just Die. And it's like, I looked them up, and the, the entire album is like about Easter. So didn't Ugh. just die is <laughs> is yeah is about Jesus actually did not dying but he did die but he didn't die. Which is it? Catholicism gives which, story straight. Which is it? Apologetics. Um, and it's all parody songs about Easter things. So <laughs> yeah. Good God. Uh, we don't need to say anything more about that. But it was quite quite a thing. Quite a thing. Yeah, um, so that's all I got to say about the original. Should we move on into our, our cover versions? Yeah, let's talk about covers. All right, so the first one's Ray Conniff in 1973. Yeah, Ray Conniff was uh, the band leader, I believe. So mm-hmm. this is... A bunch of singers and some band stuff going on. Yeah, so he like arranged it. Um, he he was most famous for the Raycon of singers. I don't know if that's who is performing this number. Yeah, but... I don't know, but they are singing and they are being directed by Raycon if so. <laughs> yeah, so at least in a in a strictly like you know they may not be the Raycon of singers, yeah, but they but are they... some Raycon of singers. Exactly. Um, this one starts with the 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 orchestral section right off the bat. Well, it starts with the chorus yeah the chorus it goes dun, the double dun. hits yeah 
and then it doubles back and does the um the actual beginning like mm-hmm. the intro with just the piano chords but now there's a lot of people singing yeah you can tell it's a like i don't know how many people it's like five maybe it's you know like a choir is yeah worth. it's like a choir sort of situation but it's not like you've got 20 people there mm-hmm. i don't think that's not what it sounds like to me anyway and they are broken up into two groups because there is a backing vocal section who does the you know you dids and i think they're fully comprised of women i don't know if the main line is just dudes though i don't think it is I wouldn't think so. It doesn't really sound like it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the backups do sound like women. They sing a little bit higher. Um, they've replaced the piano with an organ. So it's a yeah. little, I mean, it's that sound instead. It's it's a little more like churchy sounding. It's not religious or anything. Not like it didn't just die. But um, <laughs> but it's got a little bit more of that feel. And I guess that just comes from like the sort of almost choir setup. Yeah. Um, and then they... Of course, do another chorus and then jump into the <laughs> the orchestral section. And it doesn't sound like they have an orchestra, but they have definitely some guitars and some horns. Yeah. And they also have one other very important thing, um, and that is people saying, ba-da-da, ba-da-da, ba-da, ba-da-da. But they actually... <laughs> ba-da-da, ba-da. <laughs> so that's fun. <laughs> Yeah, they threw in some acapella elements, except with instruments involved. So yeah, they've got that, like horns and, I guess, keys. And yeah, that's like what they got, really. that's really all they got. And like, that's the thing. Uh, They, obviously, they have the reggae section. Um, Most of these don't change up the structure. Mm -hmm. This is probably the most structural change, just because they started with of chorus yeah just because they of like move the things piano. around um and right this is one who they say hell yeah and it doesn't hit no like, it's very all. just like smooth. and they've got and th- so many people yeah and i think part of the problem is is that it's all the people on all the time right like it's just yeah a choir the whole way through right there's no up and down really because like part of that, I think, what makes that line hit on other versions is they'll bring in backup vocals just for the word hell. Right. It's and like theirs isn't the worst, but it's not great. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, the organ is really enjoying, I think, playing the skanks in the reggae section. Oh yeah. Um, because it it really gets it's really in its element there. Hmm. Um, this one is interesting to me because it almost sounds like it could be the original. Right. Like, like, like a low rent, like this is the original and Paul McCartney heard it and was like, I can do better. Like, right. It kind of has that feeling to me. And it's, it yeah. sounds like old school enough that it kind of has like a cool old fashioned vibe without being that good. Yeah. And that's, I think that must be Ray Conniff's like arrangement influence. Cause he was big, like late fifties, early sixties was sort of his heyday. And then this is in the you know the seventies, right? So he probably brought his sort of heyday sensibility to this, and then it gives it that older feel. Yeah, I believe it. That sounds about right to me. Yeah, but you're right. It sounds like a cheaper version. It does. And and like the chorus, the choir is not really doing it for me. Yeah, I don't. 
I think it all works together as its own thing, mm-hmm. but doesn't amount to much ultimately. What like, it is is kind of kind of cheap sounding and exactly yeah. And, and they make the they do the wronger but cuter version of the line by saying the world in which we live in. Wronger but cuter. Wronger but That's cuter, what it's all baby. About, man. Um, with that, we're gonna talk about Inger Lise Ripdoll in 1974. Allegedly. It says unverified on, on secondhand songs. That's right, why. yeah. It exists. Um, I listened to it, but I don't know when it's from. Well, yeah, oh yeah, on this one it says 2010, but this is the best Jegvet. So <laughs> I, I think that must be Nor- Nor- Norwegian for like the best of. Must be. Like, I, I believe you. I'm not going to put in Google Translate or anything. No, God, no. Who's, Who's got, got time, time for that? Time for that. That's what I said. Hey, hey, we're the same hey. guy. Um, yeah, so she's like a Norwegian actress and also obviously a singer. She does uh, sing in this. She has some backup singers. She has a Norwegian accent. Mm-hmm. Um, this is pretty similar. It's shorter. I forget why. It's not much shorter, though. Yeah, it's just like this one's just kind of like karaoke. <laughs> I mean, she's it got a nice a voice. Karaoke. The backup vocals are kind of like nice and airy, but like she, like she somehow manages to punch less hard than the choir, <laughs> like on vocals. <laughs> yes. Um, is is that her? Let me just. Yeah, her her like hell line is not is nothing. This is yeah. probably the the weakest one. Or I I think I'd have to double check that, but. I think it's yeah, I think like instrumentally there's low. not a lot of punch. Um Yes, it's kind of weird. Like I think she has an orchestra or at least some kind of band. Yeah. Um but the mixing on it that doesn't doesn't sound very good to me. Like it's very yeah, it's muddy. Like it's, yeah, it's like muddy and mixed too quiet or something. Like it has no no like highs to it. Yeah, they, oh, you really get that you can really feel the low end on it. And there's a bit mm. much of that, I think. Uh I think and her her second verse one is pretty good because that's all violin and it's meant to be soft. Right, she, and that's kind of more... She seems more comfortable. Yeah, that clearly is where she that. excels. And then... For the, like... They do start to bring some higher stuff in for the ending. So that's kind of nice. Is like more of a focus on the higher horns. So that's mm-hmm. something. But it's kind of missing from earlier on. Yeah. And unfortunately, very unfortunately, they fade out. Yeah. And that is not great. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. Especially since like the original ends on that like, eh, it's time to watch the movie. Yeah, which Can't is afford. like an organic kind of fade out, right? Yeah, of like transition of like, oh, what's gonna happen? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's draw cool your attention from now the audio to the visual. Yeah, so this one was just kind of soft and and lacking. Mm-hmm. But she does get living right instead of live in. Impressively. Impressive. 
considering that I'm assuming English, not her first language. Yeah, it would be my guess from the the accent. But like, yeah, it just was a just too soft. There was no like dynamics in this one. It it couldn't break out of being the soft part of the song, and I think that's where it falls down. Straight down all the way to more southern parts of Europe. Mm-hmm. I thought that I saw. I swear to God, I thought you were gonna segue somehow into Guns and Roses in 1991. All the way <laughs> to Guns and Roses in 1991. <laughs> <laughs> Which is um, so low. Yeah. No, I don't dislike this version. It's no. Guns N' Roses. So if you've never heard of Guns N' Roses, they're a band. They play rock and roll music. They've got some members. Um, Slash, Axel, Duff, Izzy, and Steven. I can't believe one of them is named after the, the beer from The Simpsons. I know, right? <laughs> and also a whale. Is there a whale called Duff? No, I think it's his last name. Oh, is this, what's his last name? Um... McWhalen or something. McWhalen. <laughs> I thought it was McKagan or something. I might be thinking of yeah, Duff McKagan. All right, I'm pretty sure what I just told you was a boss from Mega Man X Five. <laughs> okay, yeah. That, <laughs> who, who also played bass for Guns and Roses? Exactly. So. <laughs> no, like I think it was Mega Man X Five. All the all the bosses are named after like members of Guns and Roses. Oh, okay. Because so he's Duff Whalen. Video game translation in the '90s was just the wild west. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, yeah. So yeah. So uh, there's a quote from the the April 1992 issue of Guitar for the Practicing Musician where Slash explains how the group came to record the song. He says this: "It's one of those songs like Heaven's Door that Axel and I have always loved. It's always been a really heavy song, but we'd never discussed it. Didn't know that we each liked it. We were talking one night about a cover song, and that came up, and we were like, yeah, let's do it. So I went to rehearsal with Izzy and Matt and Duff just to see whether we could sound good playing it, and it sounded really heavy." <laughs> really heavy um there was another another thing on there he talks about the orchestral sections mm-hmm. I believe, which i thought was very cool i don't have the do you have the quote i do have the quote he says the me. following when we did live and let die it was all sense those horns are not horns what axel did there was really complex he spent hours dialing all that shit in getting the nuances just right and i have to give him that and he did a good job because I wasn't sure if it was synthesizers or if they had an orchestra. Yeah, that shit is like like that. There, there's a lot of synthesizer work going on here, apparently, that I didn't even know. Hmm. So, props for that. Like that. That's impressive. I mean, especially like the higher bits. They sound like they don't sound like synths to me. They sound like they actually had like some guys in there with piccolos. Like, it's quite yeah. a feat. Uh, quite a he piece. made it sound very organic, and I think in the '90s and like early 2000s, we were obsessed with making synth sound like real instruments. Right. So apparently, only one person ever figured out how to do that, and he's not telling anyone. Yes, because it took him for fucking ever. <laughs> it's like fuck this, I'm done. And then no. just like Did save preset. Don't tell anyone how I did it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um. So I don't know if you'd save presets, maybe. Uh. And I don't know what the synthesizers were. But, so this is probably the most popular version that is not the original. Fairly well known. Hear this one on the radio sometimes. Um, 
also pre- like pretty close in structure to the original, a little more guitar focused. Yeah, naturally. Or a, a lot more guitar focused, I guess I would say. It's it's, it's definitely like the big change they do, if you can call it a big change, is making right. the the big heavy instrumental sections even heavier. Yes, and it's pretty heavy. Yeah. Um. So they got that like November Rain piano at the beginning. I say that, but I don't know November Rain well enough to make that claim. Um. I don't know a lot of Guns N' Roses. Yeah. You know a lot of Guns N' Roses? I know the Not big ones. Not really. It's very funny to hear Axl Rose sing, like, softly, like, quotation marks. <laughs> like <laughs> when this? When you were young, it's your heart. It's an open book. Yeah, this and also, like, knocking on Heaven's Door, <laughs> where he's like, knock, knock, knocking on Heaven's Door. How, 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 how. Like, yeah like it already sounds like parody like it doesn't sound <laughs> legitimate but like he's got a pretty decent voice you know yeah but it's very like it's not like soft yeah it is distinctly made for you know heavy music yeah which is interesting because even if you listen to like um like alice cooper who's got a pretty like raspy thing he does with his voice a lot of the time that really fits in metal if he slows down particularly on his older stuff like he oh, sounds yeah. quite different it's nuts. That's why the yeah. song of his, uh, I think it's off Billion Dollar Babies or Million Dollar Babies, whichever it is. Yeah, is uh, shit. I forget too. <laughs> I think I want to say it's Billion Dollar Babies. Nah, I it's don't got- know now. Um, but he's got the song Mary Ann, and it's literally just him playing piano and singing this very soft piece. Yeah, it's Billion. Yeah. There's also fuck, like, he's got a song called Desperado, I believe. That's something similar. Okay. I'm a gambler, at least at the beginning. Yeah, and he does uh, Shoe Salesman from, uh, I don't remember which one that's from. Anyway, so yeah, so he sounds very different. Axel stays with, sorry I dropped something, his his pretty distinctive sound, even when he softens up. Um, So pretty similar, um, although there's something we haven't mentioned before, but like right before the live and let die line in the Mm -hmm. verse, they do the like, they'd make this sound, it's three ascending notes, like boo-doo-doo. Yeah. Live and let die. Like, and this one, the first time they do it, it's like very heavy on the bass. You can really hear the bass there, and I think it's got a cool sound. And then the second time, it's like all guitar. But yeah, this one in the orchestral parts, way more guitar. Yeah. Way more guitar. Very distorted guitar. I mean, it's Guns N' Roses. It's what you would expect. But they've also got all those synthesizers. Mm hmm. Yeah, like I didn't even question the backup on this and maybe it is like part because the guitar takes such a front but yeah those piccolos and shit come in and you're like that's just like it could have been ripped from the original for all i know yeah really but yeah it's good shit um then they get into the reggae section mm-hmm. and they like keep they keep that like piano skank um it's a little more guitar focused because there's two guitar sounds and they're like really kind of noodling around and like interweaving sort of so definitely a different guitar again more guitar focus more guitar feel yeah it's 80s 90s well this is 90s but like they're 80s rock i would still call them Mm Hmm. and yeah it's like it's a there's something almost so sarcastic about the playing in that segment because you know it's like what does it matter to you and it's like the the actual music styling is very playful it's this sort of reggae beat right right but the context of it is very cynical 
Yeah, I guess so. Like it's that kind of like laid back reggae thing where it's you know it's pretty slow. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like it's in a hurry. Yeah. But it's yeah, it's just and like th- life. Yeah, and I think Guns N' Roses have a, a good sense of that. I'm really just basing this off Welcome to the Jungle of being I mean, able to like kind of handle those kind of topics with both instruments and vocals. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, they've got like enough sort of rock and roll attitude that I could believe there's some sarcasm here. Yeah. Like I think it plays into their into their strengths that part. Yeah. And I mean, did we need to tell you that Axl Rose can handle singing the hell line well? Yeah, cuz he does like, it well. He does it well. <laughs> you got to do you got a job to do. You got to do it well. And he does. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, you know, like the other ones, it's very similar to the original in terms of composition. Um, yeah, you but... get more guitar leading you into the second sad verse one. Right, they they replace the violin with a guitar, and it's really sliding around, really, like, hamming it up. It's like mm-hmm. that really sad guitar-type sound you can get if you know what you're doing. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, is, like, Guns N' Roses has an idea of, like, hyperbolic music, I think. Because a lot of their stuff is like, you know, Welcome to the Jungle and like even Sweet Child of Mine. Like it's very right. like intense. Like, they have this like big theatricality from that like metal in the 80s. Yeah. I don't know if it's metal necessarily, but I think it was some sort of metal. Exactly. And that's, so you can use that to, to sort of play these kind of bigger moments and be like, oh, this is this is super duper sad. And like, look at <laughs> look this. Look how sad it is. You know how fucking sad this is, boy. Like, it's they got the skills to do that. Yeah, and they do a pretty good job of this this version. Like, it's di- very distinctly them. Mm-hmm. And uh, particularly because of that guitar. Um, uh, did see. you watch the music video for this one? Uh, was it just footage of like live footage of them playing? Yeah, and then also, like, they would throw over photos of themselves as kids. Oh, I miss those They would, 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 like, fly in through. And so at one point, there's a milk carton with a missing child photo on it. Oh, I did see that. (laughs) Yeah. Is that? I have no idea. (laughs) Which one of them went missing as a child? I I don't know if that's based on anything. I don't know. if it's just supposed to be a joke? I have no idea. Yeah, that's Guns N' Roses. Anything else to say about this one? No, not really. Let's talk about Hank Marvin in 1993. So so Hank Marvin was a a guitar player. He's apparently pretty influential as a guitar player. Um, Um... Neil Young has a song called From Hank to Hendrix. And mm. apparently there are two Hanks that Hank refers to. And one of them is Hank Marvin. Okay. The other one is like Hank Williams. Skank Williams. Skank Williams. So and, and Skank, Skank Marvin. Marvin. It's <laughs> your cousin, Marvin. Cousin All right, um, Marvin. Marvin. So this is mostly instrumental. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, it's weird that we have to say mostly, but <laughs> so it comes in with like piano chords. Now his guitar, and he's a pretty skilled guitar player, is mm-hmm. uh replaces the the vocal part. Um and then there's sort of and then the backup vocals are replaced by this like soft just 
synthesizer sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's and, uh yeah, it's exactly like you said. It's it is. It's guitar focused. Um he does a good job of sort of changing the tone on the guitar as we progress through the song. Yeah, it happens a couple times. Um I wanted to talk about this the orchestral part. Mm-hmm. Do you think he has an actual orchestra here? Cuz we know we can be fooled by synthesizers. That's true. We just learned it. Um I think he's at least got some synthesizers. Oh, for sure, cuz we've already heard that very like woodwindy airy synth at the beginning, right? Yeah. So we know there is synth present in an in an obvious context, but maybe he's used that to sort of divert our attention from the the other synths it's possible uh also his drums like he does the same thing but it's like very much a kit it's not like a a rhythm section yeah Um, and okay so once he gets to the to the reggae part Mm -hmm. they this happens sometimes where you get these like really like really ripping organs and that's the only way i know how to describe them they just sound like very rounded and full, but like you only play them for like half a second. Okay. Like every once in a while, and you just hear this like, and then like that's it. You know what? I would believe that he's got an orchestra because I'm hearing some hand drumming as well. There is definitely to... some yeah. hand drumming. Yeah, for sure. So if he's um, going to go out of his way to get more percussion, I feel like he could do more with other instruments too. Yeah, and this is like, he's already a successful guy, so there's no reason he wouldn't be able to get yeah. some other professionals. Um, or, you know, he's had a couple, this was like a few decades into his career, I think. Yeah, plus I think he's a, an older guy. He might opt for the, the skills he's more familiar with. Right, right. Yeah, so I believe it, but there's definitely some synth sort of sounds in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get to... The second verse, um, he, of course, replaces the violin part with just his guitar. But yeah. this is where he switches up his guitar tone. Mm-hmm. I believe for the first time. I'm not sure, uh, unless I missed one. But this is like 12-string sound. Yeah. It's very, like, full. Yeah, and then the, this is also where we get, the for one backup vocal line, we get the... Which is some woman. Very jarring. (laughs) Yeah. And unexpected. It like tore me back into reality. Like what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Like what? Like did I leave another song open or something? Like what the fuck happened here? (laughs) So that was that was a huge shock. Which is, I mean, considering it's very soft, is impressive. Yeah. Just like, where the fuck did that come from? Yeah, it really does Hank. serve to, like, jerk you out in this uh, in this otherwise, you know, soft segment. Yeah, so I don't know why he made that decision. It was a very interesting decision. Maybe not an advisable one, but maybe that's mm. why it was a good decision. Yeah, do you think he was trying to hide it a bit with the, the sort of airy synth there, too? I don't know. Maybe it's, like, his niece, and she wanted to be on a song. He's like, fine. Okay, here you have one line here. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, an odd yeah, choice. Yeah, so for that sure. part that part's jarring, and then it goes right back into the chorus. And this one's kind of interesting because that's where he really starts shredding. Yeah, 
and like gets this like really heavy guitar tone on. Mm-hmm. And then some like higher soloing, and then back into the orchestral section. Yeah, and it's got he's got some real bluesy elements in the guitar. You oh, can yeah. tell. I almost like don't note when guitar solos are bluesy. It seems so default to me. Right. But it's pro that's probably not fair. I'm like, yeah, blues like, guitar. It, that's how you play guitar, right? It's like getting crisp spring water, you know? It's in theory not that different from tap water, but when it hits you, you're like, oh yeah. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> but you can't because there's water flowing in your mouth. It's like this. That's right. Did you catch that? I was drinking water. I did catch that. Ugh. Uh, and he doesn't fade out, so thumbs up. Yeah, he just does the like uh, the sustain note out. So yeah, not a bad instrumental one. Yeah, I wouldn't put it on like Pete Bent's level. No. But uh, he's a pretty good player. Yeah. Pretty solid. A little bit awkward with those vocals at the end. Yeah, a little bit fucking... It's just a weird choice. Yeah, not quite sure how I feel about them other than questioning. Yeah, we had another instrumental cover way back that just kept in the backing vocals, I think. Do you remember what it was? No, but I remember it fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah, well, it does definitely get weird if that's all you have. Yeah. Um, with that, we're going to move into Daniel Johnston in 2000. Yeah. To live and let die. Live and let die. Daniel Johnston, you guys know him. He wrote True Level Find You in the end. He's the the like lo-fi musician. It's mostly just acoustic guitar and his sort of warbly vocals. Yeah, not much to say about the instrumentation in this one. There's mm -hmm. no orchestral bits at all. He's basically taken um the verse the first verse and the chorus and and repeated that there's no yeah. reggae section there's no like i said orchestral section it's just him strumming his guitar and singing to the tune of the song but he's got a whole bunch of verses he's got like five or six verses <laughs> yeah so i i have them here because they're on a to z lyrics which is they nice are. Everywhere else was like, yeah, normal lyrics. He sings them normally. I'm like, don't, what are you fucking, why yeah, did you I was like, put don't, them here don't fucking lie know. to me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, I guess we'll just go, go through them. When I was young and my heart was a broken book, I used to say live and let live. You know, I did, you know, I did, you know, I did. And if this ever-changing world in which we live in makes you give in and cry, to live and let die. Boom, boom. Yeah, I don't know what broken book means over open book. Um, um, I guess a broken book. But he did used to say live and let live. So that's good. Well, maybe. So when you're an open book, that's sort of within your control. In the original song, you, uh, you, you were open to have your book be open and then later close it, right? Right. With a broken book, it's sort of not up to you. So it's, Fair it's enough. Busted up. Maybe that's it. Busted I don't open. know. Okay. I, I, I believe that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Awesome. Live so and what, let die. Uh, yeah, what that has to do with live and let die? Not entirely sure. Don't know yet. Let's move through. Yeah. Uh, when I was young, I often thought that a store-bought product had as much to give as any loved one. You know it's true. You know it's true. You know it's true. And then I found life's a bit more complicated. Makes me give it a try to live and let die. Um, I mean, that's a pretty common sentiment, the idea of like replacing uh actual relationships with with um material goods mm -hmm. 
So, you know, like diamonds are forever. Diamonds are forever. But are we? Are we exactly? Yeah, so uh, I like to so is he like turning it into a uh, uh like a letting go of capitalist endeavors live and let die the things that you purchase? Yeah, maybe. Like live and let die as in in the sense of um live your own life and let the bad things that like don't hold on to the bad things yeah like don't don't like, keep things alive that aren't li- helping you live right yeah very well uh, also he has a line well he says uh found life's a bit more complicated makes me give it a try makes you give life a try or makes you give the idea of live and let die a try right but i guess if it, we talk about live and let die in the sense of we just said then maybe it makes more sense yeah because it does seem to be a song about growth as opposed to a loss of innocence necessarily yeah the way he sings it the way he's yeah so i think he's trying the uh the idea of live and let die i think that's because he used to say live and let live right so there is still that but but and we got the next verse. Maybe we'll answer that question. Mm-hmm. He says, it's really worse to get worse before it gets better. Why, it's getting better all the time. You know what it is? You know what it is? You know what it is? Now, I must warn you all a little bit. I'm a walking time bomb to live and let die. So I guess that would be like, life is getting better. Not Things aren't perfect. And bad things still might happen. He's still a walking time bomb. But things are mm-hmm. getting better. Things are getting better. And he's uh, sort of decrying a uh, philosophy of all oh, things are going to get worse before they get better. Because uh, in, in the regular sentence of that, it's like, well, you know, they're going to get better. And he's like, well, actually, it's worse if things get worse right. before things they get, worse, get better. That's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Um, that's, you can just get better, right? We're not dead yet. Exactly. Um, and, and yeah, I think the I'm a walking time bomb refers maybe to the fact that we all die, maybe as well to Daniel Johnston's own uh, like battles with mental health and other issues. Right. He's l- letting people know that he could go at any given moment. Which he did end up going pretty suddenly. Yeah. At the end of last year, it was, I believe. Yeah, it was uh, October or late yeah. September. So he was kind of right. Mm-hmm seemed to be right about a lot of things yeah he seemed to know some stuff that guy yeah um and he says in the next verse some people say quesera good riddance have we really fallen that much behind you think we did you think we did you think we did uh any kid growing up in the united states of america needs to give it a try to live and let die a few things about that verse one there's a lot of syllables he's really stretching the meter yeah. Um, kid in the United States of America. Um, Kisera. I had to look that up. Or Kisera, Sera. Something like that. Yes, yeah, that uh, what will means be, whatever will be, will be. Will be. Uh. Which is kind of like a go with the flow sort of attitude. Right. But then he says good riddance. To those people, I assume. I'm mm-hmm. assuming he's disagreeing with them. Right. Because it's the quitters thing to be like, ah, it's, yeah. it's going to be that way if it's no. going to be that way. Yeah, and he's like, no. Give it, give it a try. Live and let yeah. die. Uh, take, maybe that means to take an active role in your life. I don't know. Yeah, to, That's to, the attitude I'm getting off of it. Yeah, to, to sort of break whatever mold 
that they are in currently, which I uh, like perhaps relates to the second verse where he says it's uh, about store-bought products. And uh, yeah, and in the first verse where he says, if the ever-changing world you give in, uh, we live in makes you give in and cry with your live and let live attitude, which may be a que-sera-sera attitude, try living and let dying, you know? Is there a Pink Floyd song where they say Kesara? Um, I don't know. There's a Pink Floyd song where they say Cymbaline. <laughs> All right. Anyway, getting off topic. I'll have to look that up later. Uh, what's the last one? Last verse. With all your friends and your local contacts, I wonder who can save you now. What if God himself gave up on all of us and decided to destroy all mankind to live and let die? Live and let die, repeated a few times. That's, that's a lot. Yeah, is he proposing like a, uh, like a nihilism in, a, in lines with uh, like Nietzsche, like God is dead? Or in this sense, God could turn on us at any moment if he is real. So, and then it's all over, so you might as well live for the moment, which is now maybe i guess like i mean and first of all uh something he's talked about like talk about real relationships you know versus mm-hmm. fake ones sort of like with all your friends and local contacts like who who can actually help you yeah um and what if what if everything ended just immediately and you had no control over it what would you do Nothing, obviously. You couldn't do anything. So it is a little bit like that. I don't know if it's necessarily nihilism. Mm. But it's definitely... Um, Certainly something somewhat, like a mindfulness. Like a, yeah, of like kind of a chase. Yeah. Um, what is it? Right. Oh, yeah. Is uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she speaking through a trombone right now? <laughs> oh, it's certainly a... <laughs> uh, I, I just became an adult, actually. Uh, <laughs> that was when your voice drops. Um, that's... I mean, in tying it with the, the previous verse, like, some people say, you know, whatever will be, will be. But, like, mm-hmm. are you going to live your life like that? What if, what if it ended? Would you be happy right. with the way it ended? And also, if you have that attitude and all your friends and local contacts have that attitude, who's going to be able to help you? Who indeed? Who so indeed? there's a lot of questions in this song. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's I don't know. Like, I, I, like, I like Daniel Johnston, and so I, I like this. I think it's fun. Yeah, my, my initial reaction is it's just a lot of things he was thinking about at a mm-hmm. particular time kind of mashed into... Yeah, it almost seems stream of consciousness. Yeah, but there's some connections between everything. But it's yeah. just like a lot of thoughts about like life and people. Yeah, somewhat tied into this uh, concept of live and let die. Right. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, and yeah, like like we said, not much to say about the instrumentation. So yeah, it's an interesting version. So yeah, he takes this song about uh, murdering dudes because it's your job and makes it about maybe don't murder dudes because it's your yeah. job. <laughs> or think about think about it first. Yeah. Like, I think he's made the theme of this song, think about it. Think, think about it. Think about it.
about it. Speaking of things we should think about, Pato Fu in 2010. So this is a Brazilian group. Mm-hmm. Um, they have this is their album and it's called and i'm going to say it wrong i have no doubt but musica de brinquedo yeah and a brinquedo if that is indeed how it is said refers to a child's toy uh Mm. so the entire album and most importantly this song uh is recorded using toy instruments Mm mm-hmm which is an interesting gimmick as far as gimmicks go. Yeah, and sometimes um, I was, child labor is in the songs as well. Yes. <laughs> I was impressed, though, with the amount they were able to do with toy instruments. Yeah, the richness of the track and how many like instruments they were able to replicate is very impressive. Uh, and it's things like... like it, I think it's a toy piano, and at one point, it's either more toy piano or one of those, like, rainbow xylophones that are metal. Right. Like, it, it's that kind of thing. So those sounds, like, there's a melodica, um, probably slide whistle, very, like, tinny things. And I think there are a few synthesizers as well, because some of these things don't sound like children's toys. Yeah. Well, but they could be, like, like, busted up children's keyboards. That's very possible. That's possible. Yeah, and I was thinking, like, just things that, <laughs> like... <laughs> Sorry. There's that video of that guy, uh, just like the like kids piano, like playing African. It's like, <laughs> that's right, yeah. Fuck. Okay, that kind of thing. But like, yeah, you could yeah, like yeah. punch it, and it would sound like, yeah, you kind of just, thing, just you know? overblow the fucking like sound yeah. chip on it. Um, so it's that kind of stuff. Um, so it's female vocalist, and then the backup vocals. I don't know if they're kids, but they are childlike voices. Mm-hmm. And they do a pretty good job of sounding like children. So, like, in the very beginning, for example, in the each live and let die line is sung, like, in in the chorus, is sung mm-hmm. by a different child voice. Yeah. And then in the in the intro, in the first verse, the, the children voices do the, you know you did, you know you did. But they're like, you know yeah. you did, you know you did. Yeah, it's very, did. like, I don't know how to describe it, but, like, if it's not kids... Then they did a very good job of, like, adding the quality of a child's voice of like, the the I don't I yeah don't like know how to from describe the speech this. Like, they pattern do that weird to thing the... with their mouths where like the corners kind of come in and it's yeah. like what pull with? like what like they don't quite have that like I don't know cheek strength or whatever to like pull the corners of their mouth out and everything's kind of like front facing. So right. like, they do a pretty good job of that. Hmm. <sighs> and then and, yeah so hang on i just heard the noise here at uh about the minute right. mark there it sounds like a they pull like a sound chip from some toy like it could be like a t-rex or some shit or like an elephant is it the and there's like a <laughs> yeah there's a lot of like weird stuff from like various sound makers um in particular the reggae sections got a fun it's all like farm sounds like one of them, I swear, I had this barn growing up that, like, when you opened the door, it made this, like, kind of almost a moo sound, where it was just like, <laughs> and, like, yeah, cows, great. Yeah. So, it's that kind of sound. 
It is. Uh, yeah. Also, I don't know if some of them, like these ones, would have been like whether they were actually playing them as like a barn or if it was like a sample. I mm-hmm. feel like that. I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. If they just had like a sample bank of like, you know, uh, actually. Some keyboards kind of do that, you know, where you get the keyboard where it has like dog barking settings and it's like, woof, 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 yeah, woof, 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 woof. you know, like in Friends. Just like in Friends. But yeah, and so, it was 2010 when this was made, so I don't know yeah, why so my head was possible. thinking everything had to be an organic approach. Yeah, you could easily just rip files online from old toys and shit, set it up yeah. to a synth. Although, I mean, I suspect they're actually playing like a toy piano. But, yeah, like, oh, they very sure. easily could have just recorded like a a sound and then sequence. I mean, obviously it was all recorded because we're hearing it, but anyway, mm-hmm. I don't, they wouldn't have had to do it all like live, which is yeah, true well, of any. Recording. And like when those kids are saying live and let die, there's a noise in the background. That sounds like a, like something you'd hear in an NES game. Like a, if an explosion went off, just as like, it's almost yes, sounds like, that was what I was talking about. It's just this like bit crush sound of like, like yeah. static, like digital static kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that like, that was what I was thinking. Like it could be something broken. But it also could be, I mean, so many children's toys make random ass sounds. Yeah, 100%. Um, Especially if you've had them around a while and they just start to degrade. Like, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I mean, also they're Brazilian, so they had a completely different slate of toys to choose from, I'm sure. Yeah. So there's a lot of sounds. Um, the other thing I want to shout out that they do a couple times is, like, particularly on the verses or maybe only on the verses like they build these chords up progressively on repetition but mm-hmm. the first time they play it they only will have like one note so instead of like live and let die bah, bah, like it's a different chord it'll just mm-hmm. be like one note but it's the same note so be like live and let die huh, huh. <laughs> and then the next time through like the the toy piano comes in or whatever and you can hear the chord and it changes, but the first time it doesn't change, and it's right. It's a little awkward, but it kind of fits. I mean, the the like DIY feel. Of it. Yeah, so that's it's an interesting version. Uh, it's when I first, I mean, first hearing those children's voices, it's grating. Like yeah. it's very like one of them sounds like like it's it's kind of like that was the other reason I didn't think it was real children because it's almost like a Rugrats thing or like a. The like three kid demon things from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, like it sounds cartoonishly childlike, but also there's some parts of it that are pretty convincing. So. Yeah, one of them like definitely just sounds like a child making voices. Yeah. So, neat version. Yeah, and they say uh, this world in which we live, and I haven't been doing a good job of keeping track of those, but yeah, I they, didn't at all. They say the wronger but cuter version, and that fits. <laughs> that fits perfectly. <laughs> Um, and actually, I want to check something real quick. Sure, yeah. Okay, so obviously the whole thing is soft. When they say hell, they get this, like, sound and, like, so, like, they, they accentuate it pretty good. But And it fits yeah. with the, the tone of the rest of it, too. So it's not like some of the other ones where it's just, like, limp dick thing. It, like, right. it is not as intense, but it still fits. Yeah. Good call. Um, with that, we're going to move into our stretch of songs from 2014. <laughs> starting with Mystic Force. Live and let die. Yes, I don't have a whole lot to say about Mystic Force, I'll be honest. 
I found uh, them other on, than uh, I googled them and yeah. it's a Power Rangers season Power Rangers Mystic Force <laughs> that's um, right that's that's who did this <laughs> and second second note when this came on my um oh this is from an album that is a tribute to Guns N' Roses greatest hits it's called mm. Hollywood Rose a tribute to Guns N' Roses greatest hits oh, um, yeah. but when it came up on my screen on my in my car um it was just said a tribute to gun <laughs> which uh, amused me i was like what the fuck uh so no it's guns and roses a tribute to uh, and the album artwork just looks like two guys sucking on a chili dog outside the tasty freeze hell which yeah is to say dog. a microphone have you heard the the, the like i don't know if you'd call it a remix the version on youtube of that song that is just that line repeated over and over again <laughs> no, it's I probably 10 hours long that's sucking on a chili dog outside the taste of freeze sucking on a chili dog just <laughs> anyway that's jack and diane but this is mystic force oh uh, this is mystic force so they are a progressive power metal band uh founded in 1983 took a break from 2001 to 2010 that's and them this is, actually the next two albums are very similar because this is this is a Guns N' Roses tribute album. Yeah, which, and the next one is going to yeah. be a Paul McCartney tribute album. Um, they have like this really like their piano sound is so full and like echoey. It's very like I'd call it rich, but I don't know if it's actually rich. Um, yeah, and is it, is it grand? Maybe it is grand. Full, I would say. Full. Full. Full grand? bodied, healthy. Oh yes. Um subtle notes of pine um <laughs> so they're they have this repeated like dull kind of maybe echoed percussive sound through their intro so they're playing that piano he's singing when you were young so and so on and then you just hear this like yeah. like it's really low and like i don't know it's there um and then, <laughs> oh my God, Alex! Excuse me while I die. <laughs> I'll let it happen. And then once they get to the to the chorus, they just like speed it right up. Yeah, that's, oh, that's there's a sharp thing. increase in tempo. And that's really like the notable part compared to the Guns N' Roses one. It's way more obvious that they're using synthesizers. Mm-hmm. They don't have any of the high whoop, flute thing. No, um, they still have more of a guitar focus, uh, like the Guns N' Roses version. Yeah. Um, we get but, more of that uh, chugging metal guitar rhythm. I guess that makes sense. They're more of like a metal band compared to yeah. Guns N' Roses, which is maybe more rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, even if it's kind of, I don't know. I don't know about those genres very well. Um, but yeah, then they, they do the reggae version, still in the GNR style, but again, it's just sped up. It's all fast. It's very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, th- one thing that I thought they were going to do that they didn't, Really, was right at the end. They start to introduce these like little drum roll things, but then they just kind of end it. I feel like they could have done a little more of that. Yeah, it's uh, I I was starting to lose it here. I I've I've written here. It's the same as the original, and then my next note is they're all the same. And then my following note is it's Samesville, USA. (laughs) Samesville, USA. Yes, there's not a lot of structural switch ups except for Daniel Johnson. Um. That's pretty much it. And, I, and I lied Ray before. Conniff. Yeah. Daniel Johnson is... Yeah. I said Ray Conniff was the most different. Not think, not remembering Daniel Johnson yeah. cut out a whole bunch of the song. Yeah. 
So it's that. It's faster. If you want a faster version that's not quite as good as the Guns N' Roses one, check it out. Yeah. If you yeah, if you want a not as good version of the Guns N' Roses version, this is the one. And they yeah. say live in because they're fools. <laughs> fools. Speaking of fools, uh, in the same year we've got Billy Joel. So this was for The Art of McCartney, which was also a tribute album, but obviously for Paul McCartney instead of Guns N' Roses. Yeah, big um, names on this one. We got Billy yeah. Joel, Bob Dylan, Hart, Steve Miller, Yusuf Islam, Henry Connick Jr., Brian Wilson, Corrine, fucking Bailey Ray, Willie Nelson, Jeff Lynn, Barry Alice Gibb. Cooper. Yeah, Alice Cooper, it. Jamie Cullum, Kiss, Paul Rogers, Roger Daltrey, Def Leppard, The Cure, Smokey Robinson, and others. <laughs> yeah, so lots of big names on that one. Um, this is Billy Joel. It's later Billy Joel, so there's a lot more of that like growly vocal quality, which is something I kind of brought up earlier for um, Alice Cooper. He also does that. Uh, less of the like soft vocals. Yeah. Uh, in certain ranges. I guess that happens when you age. Um, I think the orchestral part is synthesizer here. It for sure is. Um, I think I like the synth sound a bit better than Mystic Force, but not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have the big drums though the like yeah really huge drums deep, on this deep like timpani sound timpani sounds like it shouldn't be a big drum but it is yeah it should be tompany <laughs> exactly um i think because when i first look, like saw a picture of a timpani there was no scale like there was no nothing to compare the size to so i assumed mm-hmm. they were small and then when i saw one i was like oh shit it's like fucking massive they're big they're big yeah. um anyway getting off topic yeah, so I like the biggest change in this one, honestly, is the whistling at 150. Which is cool. And I think what I think about this one, like this one kind of struggled to differentiate itself because the orchestral sections don't do a whole lot to, for that. Um, but then he does the whistling. And now I'm thinking like Billy Joel could have done a more interesting cover of this song. I think if it was like 80s, 90s Billy Joel, who is still mm-hmm. recording albums. He might have done something a little more, you know, a younger man who has a little bit more to prove. Yeah, he might have done like some like heavy piano rather than uh, orchestra section, really pull us in with some some ivory tickling, yeah, something throw more... in that whistling segment. Like, yeah, and the whistling yeah. was cool. Like, as far as things that replaced the violin, mm-hmm. it, like whistling, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's there's another song he does that same like kind of whistling on. Is it the Stranger? I can't remember. But yeah, there's a Billy Joel song that has that like prominent whistling. It's fucking incredible. Yeah, and so it's really cool. And a little yeah. more of that, maybe a little more piano focus would have been very mm-hmm. interesting. And yeah, sing uh, like Billy Joel and not like you're a Paul McCartney impersonator. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I mean, he's still Billy Joel. He does a decent job. I don't necessarily want to say it's phoned in. But I feel like he could have done a better job. It's, and he has two songs on this compilation album. Oh, yeah. So it's that. possible that he uh, did kind of phone it in on this one, because maybe the other one is particularly well done. But I can't say one way or the other. I listened to this a bit back in the day, because I got it from my dad. Mm. Um, which is the other one he does? Does Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm amazed. amazed. That one, I mean, that's a little bit more of like a straightforward song that that sounds more like a billy joel song oh yeah that's easily i'm almost surprised it's not a billy joel song yeah um so 
this one, this, like we said, it's a bit of an oddball song. Mm-hmm. Because it's not, doesn't quite like fit in that rock and roll style. So unless you have the really big sound, dramatic sound of Guns N' Roses, it's kind of difficult to do. Yeah. In a convincing way. In a convincing way, yeah. So the, the Billy Joel one, not bad, just kind of not great either. Had potential, though. Uh, with that, we're going to talk about Frank Turner, also in 2014. I would love to talk about Frank Turner. It's always fun to talk about Frank Turner because it always makes me want to listen to more Frank Turner. Yeah, me too. Uh, did you watch the like video of this one no shit it's just it, i think it was like a live recording type thing okay right so like it was on some radio station and it's just him playing it with matt nasir who's okay. the mandolin player and backup vocalist on this version um and yeah uh oh yeah frank turner who's frank turner you might call him alternative rock from the uk but you might call him a uh a what's the punk folk artist also from the uk still from the uk regardless um and i'm a big fan you're a big fan yeah huge fan we're we're big fans of frank turner he covered this song in 2013 2014 uh sure oh yeah i guess oh yeah that one says 2013 i guess it was released in 2014 maybe yeah i don't know like an official recording 2013 or 2014 kind of um in the um tape deck heart positive songs for negative people time frame yeah between those two album releases yeah yeah and this kind of does what uh, like an idea of what we said billy joel should do which is uh, billy joel should have focused more on his main instrument the piano yeah do more to make it your own thing yeah and so this one does a very good job of that yeah because we get the mandolin and the guitar doing everything besides the vocals yeah and they're not worrying about putting a synthesizer in and making all these orchestral sounds. They are following the very distinctive, very focused um, melody of the orchestral sections. Have it a little bit more because really what they do there is fast strumming and then the mandolin plays like like that's the, that's it. That's all they needed to do. Yeah. That's all anyone they, needed to they do. Just, they just put in the energy with the fast strumming, played the yeah. notes with the mandolin, and it's like, but it's the, it's the same. And that's it. Like, it works. Yeah. It, it does, it's great. Yeah, it's fucking great. He knocks out the, the hell line. It's good and ragged and high. Yeah. And, and I even think, like, having listened to him, I think he strains it a little more than he normally would. Mm-hmm. Maybe to sound a little bit more like the way Paul McCartney does it. Yeah. Because it kind of has that... Um, quality to it because when Paul McCartney does it it's kind of like it's more strained and I think he does it there and I don't think he needed to mm-hmm. necessarily but anyway so that's cool um, also uh, the way they do the other parts um, like uh, the beginning is just strumming and he sings the verse pretty straightforward uh, when they get to the verse they that's when Matt starts backing him up so they actually it's, there's like an echo on every line. He says, live and let, uh, live and like, it's like right away. Yeah. Which is when I was like, oh, who the fuck else is singing? <laughs> it's Matt. It's Matt. It's, of course it's Matt. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I thought maybe you just double tracked. 
I didn't realize they did a, a live in radio station recording. Yeah, there's like a 104.5977 thing. San Francisco. Yeah. Oh, this is in America. K-Fog. K-Fog. Uh, but yeah, a little more like folk. Focus. Huh? Focus. Hey, yeah. I gotcha. I follow. Um, yeah, pretty cool, though. That's, and then, I mean, like... Yeah. Sorry? Keep, no, go ahead. I was, I was oh, going to yeah. wrap it up, but if you got more to oh, say... Oh, sure. I got a few more things to say, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, there's a few times where they, like, start playing together, just strumming. And I feel mm-hmm. like those... I really like those parts, because suddenly, like, they're doing different things, and suddenly they come together. And then yeah. it's just, like... You get that, like, back up, and it's, like, bigger and more supported between the two of them. And mm-hmm. they're, they're... I mean, they're really playing together pretty tight. Like, they've been playing together for years at this point, so... They really got that chemistry, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're um, really putting the energy sorry? out there. Yeah. And uh, also the the violin part gets replaced by the mandolin here. Yeah. Which I think is great because it's that, like, really fast drummy thing that happens on mandolin sometimes. I'm a right, fan of that. Yeah. That's, like, that's, like, the thing you do with mandolins. Yeah, that's, like, why it's people great. play the mandolin. <laughs> Yes, and then like they both hit together for the chorus, and they're like, mm. Mm. "There it is." Yeah, and like, then they and do that chord, that like chord from the end. Yeah, the original. Yeah, and it's like they, all they they've really done here is simplify, without necessarily stripping down. Yeah, and like so many just tried to be like, "How do we do the orchestral part?" And it's like, "Don't mm-hmm. maybe." <laughs> Pato Fu did a good job. Yeah, Pato Fu did a good thing, but. Uh, a lot of them, it just kind of falls flat. Yeah. I, yeah. With that, we're going to get into our final verdict. Uh, we got three categories today. The worst version, the best version, and the, the version most likely to give them hell. Uh, Alex, take it away. What's the worst version? Um, I'm going to say Mystic Force. They did a little bit to switch it up, but not a whole lot. Everything else, well, uh, okay. I'm saying Mystic Force, but I also think there were some other bad ones, too. Yeah. But that was the one I'm going to say the most, because, I don't know, tribute albums are weird to me. Yeah, they are strange. Especially, like, when I was thinking, I thought it was a tribute band at first. It was not. But I was like, why would you record an album if you're a tribute band? But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, I didn't like that one very much, but there's other ones I didn't like. It was, like, the speeding up thing didn't do much, and it was just kind of a lesser version of... The Guns N' Roses one was pretty solid. Yeah, it was like the cover of a cover, and it, like it's yeah. <laughs> the cover that it's covering is great, but <laughs> it just didn't. It missed the mark, and I think yeah. for me, the worst version's got to be Inger Lee's "Ripped All." It's just like it's just all low with no high, even with yeah, having the same me, elements too. in there. It was just it couldn't get itself off the ground. Mm-hmm. So uh, those are our worst. Alex, what's the best version of this? Oh, best version. Best version. I, I'm, I know which ones are my top two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Frank Turner and it's Pato Fu. I think they both did a pretty good job. I am particularly partial to Frank Turner. That's my own bias. So I think right. I got to give it to him because I really liked his version. Because it didn't fall into the same trap a lot of the other ones did with the trying to force the some kind of synthesizer to make the orchestral parts right be the orchestral parts it actually was just like well we've got two instruments so let's use them mm-hmm that's yeah and that's just some good punk rock shit you know yeah. like, and i respect what we got. that we're gonna do that 
I love and that. Frank Turner's definitely probably my favorite. But I think the best might be Guns N' Roses. That's fair. That's that's fair. Yeah. I'm going to I'm I'm going to we'll spread them out still, but no. Guns N' Roses, I mean, obviously, it's the other version that made an impact. Mhm. Really. And the, like so. the ones who figured out how to make a synth sound like a an orchestra impressively mm-hmm. very impressively they made they somehow managed to make an already like heavy a hard song even heavier yeah and still managed to like make it more of their own thing by changing the focus more onto the guitars yeah without really removing the orchestra part mm-hmm. so that's impressive yeah it's fucking impressive work and i even though i find axel rose's voice hilarious when in, <laughs> when it's in the soft range like it kind of builds anticipation because you know he can't stay there for long like, yeah i guess so i mean you know it's hard. a guns and roses song yeah so that's where my money's at oh yeah all right alex who's who's gonna give him hell Who's going to give him hell? Oh, I mean, it's got to be Pato Fu. Like, those kids are going to fuck some shit up. Because they're that's kids, fair, and that's what yeah. kids do. Yeah, they're, they're, these are little nightmare children. Yeah, these are act- literal demons. And or rugrats. Yeah, the little rug demon rats. It's, I don't want to deal with that. Nobody wants to fucking deal with that. Keep it away from me, man. Yeah, dude. Um, Not into it. Not at all. But yeah, they they definitely made that distinct. <laughs> they are fucking scary. Um, I'm gonna say, you know what? Daniel Johnston's gonna give him hell from from beyond the grave. Right, he's got that. He's I mean that ghost status now, so he they, can like haunt people. Exactly, he can move. I'm sure planes. there's more artists on here who have passed away, but let's not worry about it. Let's not worry about it too much. I and just you know he 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 gave this song hell. He didn't even play with the song on its own terms that's true <laughs> he he like totally ripped it open and gutted it and made it a completely different song yeah he took a james Bond without song changing it that a, much a song like built to sell a product and he's like yeah fuck products <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess that's another part of it i like i like that i like that aspect of it a lot yeah now that now that you say it out loud right on right on dj Right on, DJ. So that has been our final verdict. Uh, if you got a same opinion, different opinion, or want to talk about a cover version we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at JakeTheCressy, or at some Alex Wise guy. Um, you know, talk to us. We're out there. You can yeah. also send us an email at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Uh, comments, questions, concerns. Be sure to follow us on, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Rate us, review us, tell your friends about us. We we like to be heard. That's why we're doing this, kind of. I mean, we're, we're doing it, and if people hear it, it makes it feel like it's worthwhile. So make that happen, people. With that, we're going to jump into our bonus segment, which is today just a simple question. Alex, what artist, living or dead, would you like to see make a, a James Bond song? Who should make a James Bond song? Oh, yeah. man. Well, there's that Billie Eilish kit. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine if Billie Eilish did one? She'd be such a young person. Um, people who I'm surprised haven't made a, a Bond song. Taylor Swift. Hmm. I feel like, uh, why not, right? Like, yeah. she's been popular since Bond's resurgence. Quite, quite popular. So I don't know why that hasn't happened. Um, 
I feel like Kanye West also. Yeah, I it's was never really been like too. a hip hop Bond song. Yeah, I was thinking so Kanye like West or like Frank Ocean for a little more class. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Talking about slow fucking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be like be a good um, horny James Bond theme is Frank yeah. Ocean. I feel like there's a yeah that would be that'd be interesting. Um, those are uh, in terms of like really current artists. I am struggling to think of anybody. But Damn. definitely those are people who I think could or should have done a Bond song by now. And I feel like if Bond movies came out more often like they used to, probably mm-hmm. would have. Yeah, I think you're right. I think with the slowed down rate, it's uh, yeah, not, yeah. not as easy to get a Bond song. That said, they're probably a little bit higher quality. As I mentioned, there's a few dropped threads in the old ones. So. Right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so that's I I'd be interested to hear what what they would offer. Um especially some of the some more like socially conscious artists who would mm-hmm. because James Bond is such a like thing of the past, someone yeah. who would do more of like an analysis and maybe there's no place for that in a Bond song, but it would be interesting if it was like a little bit more thoughtful about what James Bond was and like what it meant to be, you know, an agent of espion like an espionage an espionage guy a spy yeah what do you, a let's spy get a foreigner back who on the kills track. people yeah <laughs> yes we need a we need a rock and a whole album a rock opera about james bond from foreigner ancient provocateur 2 <laughs> 007 007 this time for real <laughs> i want to know what james bond is. <laughs> So that has been, you know, what, like, and like dead artists, I think David Bowie would have been a good, good grab for. Absolutely. And I would say that for any song. I'm like, why not David Bowie? But like, he's a like big British rock star. And, you know, James Bond is British. So yes. That's... And also, um, back in the day, they could have done like a Bond song from each Beatle. Yeah. Seems like the natural progression. Although they might not have been able to get John Lennon, I feel like at least Ringo Starr would have done one. Oh, Ringo would have fucking <laughs> like, done anything. Uh, so that would have been neat if there were like four James Bond movies, one for each Beatle. Yeah. Yeah. That'd have been awesome. Um, yeah, so that's our picks for, for who we would like to see do a Bond song. Let's try it again. That's our picks for who we'd like to do a Bond song. <laughs> I'm just, I'm very tired. I must have not slept well. <laughs> Um, if you have an opinion on that, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Bonsong. And uh, as we always say on Cover Me, um, li- live and let cover me. Yep. When we say, remember, when life gives you lemons, it's called a lemon, not a lemon. <laughs>